Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Daniel Day, your host, and I am joined again for the third or fourth time. Uh, he's a glutton for punishment. He's back on the podcast. His name is Dr. Earl Kreps. Brother Kreps, welcome again to the podcast. Thank you, Daniel. It's always a pleasure to be here. I feel like I'm right at home uh, when we're having these conversations. And just don't let me wear out my welcome. Not at all. Not at all. It's always an honor to have you on. And uh, before we get started, though, you know how we do around here. We always open up in prayer. So please bless the conversation. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful that uh, you're with us here. Even though we're not in the same room, you're with both of us at the same time. And that's all way beyond our comprehension, but we are so glad for it that you are the God of presence, that you're walking among us, you're listening to our words today. And we pray that your spirit would be speaking through us. Uh, the scripture says we don't even really know how to pray. And I'm wondering how much less do we know how to do a podcast? So we ask you to come Holy Spirit and talk through us, put the words in our hearts, the thoughts, the things that you know that will land in people's hearts today and that you will be lifted up and glorified. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, for those just hopping on, we are with Dr. Earl Kreps. He is an author. He is a professor. He is a leader of leaders. And today we are going to be talking about legacy. Uh, Dr. Kreps, you know, uh, these memories pop up in our Facebook feeds. And not long ago, I got one that said it was a year ago that I had interviewed you. And I can't believe an entire year has already passed. It's as if the moments fly by. And then uh, without Facebook, how would we know what we've done? Exactly. Uh, it's, it's sort of where our legacy shows up is when Facebook brings back pictures. Well, you did this 11 years ago. And we always get pictures of us with groups of people in restaurants somehow. And uh, it, it reminds you that the world is not just infinite future. You know, there is the, your personal history that's out there. And uh, Facebook probably has a billion customers because they provide that one feature. I'm I, not, not out there a lot, but I love to see those things because you get to see your friends yeah. and the faces of people you love. So it's, it's a good thing. Exactly, exactly. So I thought it was about time to have you back on the program and you've been so gracious to come back on and uh, help us with another podcast. So thank you. God bless you, Daniel. I'm always glad to be here. And it's always, this is the only time we see each other. So, which is, is, is a whole nother thing, you know, but it's great to be back together and just kind of get uh, caught up. Whenever I talk with you, I feel like we just saw each other yesterday. Awesome. So it's, it, there's a, a lovely continuity to it. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. That's, that does mean a lot. Uh, today, we, you know, I asked you what you'd like to talk about, and you said immediately that God's been dealing with you about legacy, and uh, I would like to think that my ministry has been impacted by your legacy, by your writings and your leadership, your example over the years, and I know that there's probably hundreds, if not thousands of other people my age or younger uh, that could raise their hand and say, yeah, Dr. Earl Kreps and his wife have made an impact on us, and we're grateful. And on behalf of all of the students that you've poured into over the years, thank you. Um, but I want to give you an opportunity to just tell me what you mean and what goes on in your heart and mind when you think about that term, leaving a legacy. I think of the word footprint. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, 
the way that if you if your life lands with a certain amount of impact, there's a if you will an impression left, a footprint uh, in the hearts, in the memories, uh, and spiritually as well in other people. And uh, when people see that footprint, uh, they think, "Oh, that looks like him." That's that's the kind of image that she leaves. Uh, this is the sort of difference that they made uh, in my life. And the way you can see it is in the way I behave, not just in how I talk, but how I act. So if you have this experience, I've had it a few times where you're with someone that you've worked with for perhaps a, a couple of years. And in a conversation that you're involved in, you hear them say a phrase that you know they got from you and they're repeating it uh, not to steal it, but because it's become so natural to them that they have internalized it and they use it as a part of normal conversation. Uh, that's an example of a footprint being inside someone else's life uh, and uh, in their ministry as well, if they happen to be in, in that occupation. Uh, I'm at the point in life where people start asking me about things like legacy because I just, this face it just says you're thinking about what you're leaving behind. Uh, and I'd have to confess that I wish I had started thinking about it decades ago and not just more recently because I'm, I'm older now. Uh, I'm not in my last lap, but I can see it from here. Uh, as they say in baseball, I'm on the warning track for a, a change in my life. And I feel that in a way, whatever mine will be is less than it could have been because or in earlier years, you know, you're pretty much focused on yourself and what's happening in the present. And can I develop the kind of reputation uh, that I, I want to have? And, and reputation and footprint aren't the same thing. So it took me a long time to realize that I should be focusing on what endures uh, in other people that they can replicate uh, in someone else. And I think the more I've done that, the more satisfying my life and my work have both become. Yeah, your current job, your calling, some of the new opportunities that are opening up for you are giving you an opportunity to really multiply the gifts and callings and the lessons you've learned over the years. And when you think of legacy and imparting something to the next generation, what are two or three things you are really like at the top of the stack two or three things that you are really hoping to impart unto up and coming leaders right now? Maybe the first thing is, uh, I believe younger people have done more for me than I have ever done for them. <laughs> that probably sounds pretty backwards, but uh, I did a book a few years ago called Reverse Mentoring out of that experience. And uh, I thought to myself just yesterday, what kind of people do I like to spend time with? Uh, are, are we going to move into a 55 only community when we retire uh, so there are no young people around? And I, I, I just could not do it. I, I have friends that do it. So, I mean, no, no uh, uh, negative meaning there at all. But when we're with younger people, we find out what's going on in the world. I mean, right now, not when the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan, but right now. And they have so generously poured their lives into me sharing their stories. Uh, we, we had this discussion uh, three nights ago at a restaurant. Uh, what's your favorite kind of music? And so I pulled out my 
uh, phone and looked up my playlist in Apple Music, and I read through some of the bands and so forth that I like, and we talked about music genres, and uh, I got to know them in a way that uh, I had not known them before, and I was surprised by what I found. They were much more than the stereotype of younger people that we tend to, uh, to fall into, but if I'm not asking them questions about who they are and what they're doing, I just assume I know them when I really don't. And, and I miss this great opportunity to let them pour into me. The, the upshot of which is often that they will return the favor. And so most of what I've done with younger people, especially to try to influence them for the long run has started that way. And, and I want them to understand that, that, question asking, humility, submitting yourself one to another, those are the path forward. Everything else is just reputation. And the world can do that. Uh, celebrity, the world can do that. They're much better at all that stuff. I mean, I, I don't want to have to have a manager to make a difference in the world. <laughs> That's not what Christians do. <laughs> you know? What I want to do is have a heart connection with a person or a group uh, that will help me to really understand their story, put me inside their story. And then there's a possibility that they might feel moved to be inside of my story. So uh, if you want to receive, you have to give first. And essentially, I think that's how legacy is built. And everything else is, is pretty much reputation. Yeah. You know, as you were talking, the, the thought came to me that what you are imparting then is an appreciation of others. You're imparting uh, a, a, a really good way to listen. And unfortunately, the art of good listening is, wow, you know, it's really missing from a lot of sectors in our world right now. And, uh, you know, as some have said, listen to understand before you listen to respond. And it sounds like that has, you know, taken you years to get to that point, but you do it very well. And by modeling that in the next generation, by asking them about their music and the things that they like and hearing them before you um, make a, make a call, make a judgment call on who they are. Um, what a wonderful thing to impart to the next generation. What's something else? The second thing I think is to treat people you're working with as full partners rather than as the staff of my life, uh, to invite them into uh, servanthood by inviting them into leadership. So I look at the people who I've been close to for many years, and that relationship almost always started out when they were much younger. And what I see is that we did things together. Uh, they didn't carry my briefcase around, although I've had people try. Uh, they didn't uh, hold doors open for me if I went to speak someplace. Uh, we actually went out and served together. You know, we passed out water. We, we were team preaching, team teaching. Uh, we were developing programming. We were setting up small groups. We were doing all the kinds of things that you do. But uh, we, we would often do so uh, in, a, in a partnership format or even with a group of people who were working together as leadership partners Almost without exception, those are the people that today I look back on and say, whatever impact we had and whatever you call that, it's with those people. And I, I'm, I'm just going to have to guess here, but I think it's because 
there was an expenditure of respect uh, for them before they delivered results. Now, we all know we've got to produce to be in whatever calling that we happen to be in. Uh, Ministry is no exception to that. But to respect them enough to believe that they had something to give, that it wasn't just me because I was the pastor or the CEO or the whatever. Uh, Today, I'm a university dean. Uh, and I run a PhD program in organizational leadership, but I use the same playbook. Uh, I try to do the same things in this role as I did in pastoring. And the more we welcomed these friends into the circle of respect, uh, the greater their respect became for us. And uh, I'd have to say, I really never had a disappointing experience in using this kind of an approach. Uh, and to this day, I, I mean, I get texts and so forth almost every week from someone I know from these groups in, in years gone by. Uh, I was in two functions this last couple of weekends with someone who was part of a church we pastored, uh, you know, many years ago, like in the Clinton administration uh, or something. And here we are today again. Uh, and I'm working for her. So that's, that's the best experience is when later in life you circle back around and now you work for them. Uh, that's a footprint. And I have to tell you, Daniel, it's awesome because it's like being with your grandchildren. You're, you're just, there's, there's such a, a, a bond of love and affection there. And you, you have a huge platform to influence them because of the respect they have for you. Uh, and that has been a, that's a lovely thing to have, have discovered. And it's one of the things that makes it okay to get old. There's yeah. some stuff about getting old. That's not okay. Right. <laughs> but, but this part is really okay. You Wonderful. know, so you're imparting to the next generation, a great way to listen. You're imparting a, a great way to respect people and invite them into the journey and to be a part of things. And, a uh, little subtext in that last uh, segment there is uh, be careful how you treat people when they're under you, because one day they might be over you um, and how you've imparted uh, into them while they were under you might impact how they impart unto you when they're over you. Um, isn't that true? <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you what you reap and you sow. Amen. I mean, you, you, you really do. And, you know, you wake up some days, you think, oh, I wish my retirement funds were this or my real estate were that or you're thinking about your investments. Right. But you don't tend to think about the more important kind of investments, which is the deposit you've left in people. Uh, my uh, 401k retirement accounts, those things aren't eternal. They're they're just for now and they'll be gone one day. But these people. Uh, they're God's children. And if we've left something in them that continues to manifest itself in their life and the life of others, and if they've internalized that principle of, of leaving something in other people, then uh, it's all a win, regardless of where things are on the kind of uh, regular financial investment score. Yeah. As you've been talking, I have to admit, um, I have kids and uh, we just finished watching some Looney Tunes and uh, Wiley Coyote falls from the cliff and he hits the ground and his imprint 
is deep in the dirt. You know, you can see Wiley Coyote's imprint deep in the dirt. And uh, you can tell when you look at that form in the dirt, man, Wiley Coyote has been here, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I think that your impartations, all I've been thinking about is Wiley Coyote. I've been thinking of you falling into the hearts of your uh, of your students and leaving an imprint and people be able to see a student and they go, ah, I can tell Earl Kreps has been here. He's taught them how to listen. He's taught them how to respect people. He's, he's uh, shown them a way to model leadership that comes back to bless you later in life. And that's just a lot of fun. It really is. I can tell you this. One of the things that's maybe the biggest thing that's kept me encouraged in following this path is just it's more fun than any other approach. I have spent more time laughing with people that I love and people that uh, I've worked with in organizations because the uh, investment and respect, all of those things become mutual at a certain point. And it just deepens the bond that you have with people and uh, there's joy that comes out of it. Because you're not always wondering about, oh, am I going to be fired? What does he think of me and all that stuff? And, and, and I do the things that need to be done. It's not that. It's the fact that to perform at a high level, you don't have to sacrifice your ability to mean something to other people by the force of your example, uh, which is really where that Wiley Coyote crater comes from. It's, uh, it's the life that you live. Uh, and, and that's tough on us because we're talkers. People in ministry, we believe in the talking cure. We solve things by words from the pulpit, in the counseling room. Uh, and most of the time, though, what people have told me is it was just observing uh, what another person did or said uh, without necessarily being addressed personally. And it was that that opened the door to some different way to think about things. Who left their mark on you? Who is that person for you that showed you this way? Um, one was my father. Uh, he had a very difficult church situation in which he pastored for decades. And he showed me what strength and perseverance look like. Uh, and so he left that church when he finally retired with a, a, a building that covered a city block and a private school there and all of these things that he had uh, worked on developing. Uh, he was a, a key figure in racial reconciliation uh, in the city in many, many ways. And he simply would not let people who objected to all of that stuff run him off. He just refused. I mean, they called the bishop and had him come in and had him disciplined over and over and over. And he just didn't care. He felt this is what God has called me to do. And uh, it wasn't an unreasonable kind of person, but he just knew why he was there. And he would not let people who weren't capable of dreams that big uh, force him out of the picture so they could have the little dream that was a lot about them that, that they preferred to have. So his influence on me was, uh, uh, it, it was really major. Yeah. Wow. What would you say to people in your age bracket right now? How should they be spending the next 10 years of their life? Uh, if it were two words, I would say taking chances. Now, I, I don't mean going to Vegas with your retirement money kind of thing at all, but there's a tendency in this stage of life, what I call the warning track, uh, to back up into a kind of a defensive position and take care of 
uh, what you've got, which means you're not learning anymore. Uh, you're not growing. Uh, you don't have to work full time or even part time. It's more of a mental attitude that you have. So to me, the way to stay young and a way to feel good about uh, getting old and being on uh, Medicare and all those things uh, is to continue to do things that you haven't done before that you're maybe not completely sure that you'll succeed at. So these last couple of weeks, I've been with a couple groups of church planters uh, in an initiative that uh, Northwest University operates. That, that's where I work uh, up near Seattle. It's all funded by the Lilly Endowment. And we're, we've created the Center for Thriving Church Planters, which uh, creates peer mentoring groups in which planters can learn not how to make your church bigger, but how to grow your own soul and take care of yourself. So our first group was 10 female planters, which was really interesting. I've, I've never been in a room with more than two female planters in my, in my whole life. And the second group was nine African-American planters. And so uh, one of the other deans here, Dr. Josh Ziefel and I went uh, and were part of both of these groups just to bring greetings and kind of say hello and explain what's happening. Now, my wife and I were planters ourselves in Berkeley, California, that's coming up on what, seven or 10 years ago at this point. And we thought our days of engagement with that might be behind us even. And, and here we are, uh, we're, we're back in the game with these, these uh, peer mentoring groups, all drawn from different uh, backgrounds. We're going to add a Hispanic group, a rural group and so forth. And uh, I feel like somebody's turned the lights on again. Now, I could have backed off and I could, thinking, you know, geez, what does an old white man have to say to African-American church planters? And in one sense, the answer is not much. <laughs> but uh, that was actually a wonderful experience. I'm so glad I was involved in it. And uh, it really helped me in understanding uh, how to work with planters of different kinds from different backgrounds. I think it's possible to be in my age category and see those things and say, I don't think I have my fastball anymore. You know, I don't want to embarrass myself. And I've had older pastors actually say this to me, you know, I'm 70. Is there anything I would have to say that younger people would be interested in and very, very insecure? Um, men don't really show all of that very well, but it's all there. And so for my own peer group, um, my advice is, uh, stay in the saddle in some way and push the envelope. Move yourself into environments and challenges that maybe even feel a little bit unnatural, but engage in something. And uh, that's what continues to allow you to go off the cliff with Wiley Coyote and, and leave your crater. Right. I love how you're continuing with that theme. That's great. Um, you know, read the scriptures and you see so many men and women of God entering their sweet spot, entering their, their real, their peak season of impact between the ages of 60 and 85. Um, even some research now seems to indicate that there's some scientific um, validity to that, that a person can actually have their most productive years of impact between 60 and 80. You know, you look at the life of Moses or, you know, I always think about uh, those in their 80s who were giant killers. You know, they would go off to battle and you would see these heroic tales of uh, killing giants. And 
you know, they didn't let age keep them from entering uh, a new season of fruitfulness and impact. And, you know, I've got so many friends who are north of 65, even north of 70, many even older than 80, and they're retired ministers who are still in love with Jesus. They're still sweet. They, they, they don't have a jaded or, or uh, a broken heart. And um, it's just, those are the kind of people I want to be around. And, and those are, that's the kind of person I want to be when I'm older. And so I just want to say thank you for staying the course. Thank you for uh, wanting to leave a legacy and uh, for encouraging those in your age bracket not to give up. Keep going. Keep, keep finding people, even if it's just one or two a year to impart something to them because I'll raise my hands and say, I need it. I need what you have. And um, we haven't got it all figured out. We might have some things as young leaders, uh, some strong points, but there's some other things that the, that we just can't have without an impartation from your generation. So I'll give you the last word and then take us to prayer. We have a group here at Northwest called a gathering of Eagles. It's a volunteer group for anyone who is in the almost retired category. Uh, and I am a volunteer member of this group. Our provost runs it and we get together and discuss a question about once every month or two. And it, it, COVID has reduced our ability to do that a bit, but we're getting that back on track. And I have found the ability to do that to reflect on what's actually going on in this life stage uh, and, and what are my options now and how are they different and how are they better than my options were. And what I've discovered is everybody who's feeling like they're getting close to retirement, every single person in the group has a completely different idea of what they're going to do uh, when they, they do retire. Uh, one person said that they wanted to work with uh, one of those projects that frees innocent people from prison. Uh, others want to continue teaching, but part-time. Uh, others are going to go into business or they're already in business part-time and they're going to go into it full-time. But they've really kind of been my model uh, for this, of how to embrace this next season, to think of what I can do, not what I'm trying to get away from which is, you know, my job. <laughs> so there's just so much out there to stay invested in. And I just don't think there's a ceiling on the kind of uh, impact that, that we can leave. So, uh, so my, I guess my, my plea is uh, look for what else you can do, not what you can escape from uh, as you uh, approach these years. So let's pray together. God, we're thankful to you for uh, being the God who listens. You've taught us to listen, Lord, because you hear our cry, the scripture says. And I pray, God, that today in the heart of everyone who might hear and see us, uh, that that cry would go up to you. Uh, even if they're not verbalizing it, you know what's in our hearts. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you would take that request and hear it prayed in the name of Jesus and uh, that you would uh, not pass us by, that you would move in each of our lives, show us the way, give us the tools to leave a bigger impact in the people that we know uh, for your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Friends, we've been with Dr. Earl Kreps. He is a church planter. He is a leader of leaders. He is an author. He's married to a doctor, married to an author. Uh, they are a dynamic duo. You and uh, Sister Kreps are amazing people. It's been an honor to have you on the program again. What rich conversation we've had, and I hope to do it again really soon. Dr. Kreps, thanks a lot. Thank you, Daniel. It's been an honor.